Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. This morning, uh, we're carrying on our series uh, on Isaiah 61. So uh, we've been in this series now for about a month, a month and a half. And Isaiah 61 is our vision uh, passage as a church. It's in fact on this screen uh, behind me. And uh, and we're looking at it um, as a church um, kind of week by week, uh, breaking down the title of our series is The Favour um, of God. And this morning, uh, we are looking at Isaiah 61, but we're doing, um, I'm doing what Tom did last week, and I'm looking at, at it in the context of Luke chapter 4, which is going to come up on the screen um, any minute. There it is. Um, and so this is Luke 4, verse 16, and, and this is Jesus, uh, and it says, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. This is the bit which is quoting from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that there is in your word to change us, to mould us, to shape us, to make us more like you, to help us understand who we are in you, to help us understand our identity in you. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you this morning just to come and to minister to our hearts, to come and speak to us, to come and reveal truth um, through your word, to come and reveal truth through my words, God, just to speak into our hearts, God, to challenge, to encourage, to stir up, to excite, to, to change us, Lord. We, we want to come away different this morning. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and work, to come and move this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, uh, this is, as I said, the passage um, that Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. And as Tom said last week, um, before Isaiah 61 was our mission statement, it was Jesus' mission statement first. Uh, And it was his, uh, this kind of point in Luke chapter 4, this point in Jesus' story, um, he's been baptized, he's been gone out into the wilderness to be tempted, and he's come back, and this is his proclamation at the start of his ministry, this is what I'm here to do. This is him setting out his vision uh, and his statement. And Jesus, as like a local rabbi um, in the town, would have got the opportunity to have read um, from the Jewish Torah, from the Jewish scriptures, and to have taught, because he, he was obviously had some respect as a rabbi. Uh, and in this passage, he gets up and he stands and he, he reads the passage from Isaiah and he teaches briefly from it. But the reaction that he gets from the crowd is quite extreme. Um, Verse 28, which uh, we didn't read, and we're just going to jump forward a few verses and read now, uh, says this. "Um, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right, right through the crowd and went on his way. Now that is an extreme reaction to a preach, isn't it? Um, over, over the years, I've had the privilege of being able to preach uh, kind of fairly regularly here at church. Um, I once had, uh, a good number of years ago, I once had a, a couple who were visiting walk out in the middle of my preach. 
Um, I was talking about money, and they, they walked out. They didn't like what I was saying. That's the most extreme reaction I've ever had. I'm yet to have the congregation lynch me during my preach and take me out to try and throw me off the docks. Maybe this morning's the morning, but it hasn't happened as yet. But essentially, that's what happened to Jesus. He was lynched in the middle of what he was saying. He was taken out, and they tried to throw him off a, a cliff. Now, you have to say something pretty controversial. You have to say something pretty offensive to get that kind of reaction. So what was it uh, that Jesus said? Well, first of all, Isaiah 61 um, was known to the Jews as the messianic kind of prophecy, a messianic passage. In other words, when they read it, they read it in the context of understanding that it was talking about the Messiah, the one that they were waiting for, the one who was going to come and rescue them, the one who was the answer to all the issues the what and problems that they had, the game changer, if you like, the history maker. And Jesus, by reading this passage out and standing up in front of, of, the, of, of the congregation, if you like, and saying, this has become, uh, this has happened, this has been fulfilled today, was saying, I am that Messiah, it's me. Essentially, he was saying, I am God, in one of the most kind of, in many ways, offensive, blunt, public ways possible. Not only that, he was saying it in Nazareth. So Nazareth, of course, was the hometown that Jesus grew up in. So you can bet that in the congregation that day, there were people who maybe saw Jesus as a child, maybe saw him running around with his friends, kicking a football in the street, or whatever, whatever they played back then. They, and, and they're looking at him thinking, we've, we've seen you, we know who you are, you're the carpenter's son. And yet here he is saying, essentially, I am God. And that explains a little bit of their reaction um, as to why they reacted so angrily. But let's look at the actual claims of the passage. If we can bring that first slide back up. It says, um, bring good news to the poor. Jesus said, I've come to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted even, to comfort those who mourn, to proclaim freedom for the captives. Now you come back in the congregation, there were people who were poor and needed good news. There were people who were brokenhearted. There were people who were mourning. And certainly the Jews at that time felt under captivity and by the Romans. And so Jesus was saying to all those people, I'm the answer. It's me. And they were probably looking at him thinking, you, the carpenter's son? You're the answer? It's me. Jesus was saying, it's me. And then at the beginning, there's the line, which I want to focus on this morning, and I want to preach around this morning. Uh, And the very first line of this passage, the very first line um, of Isaiah 61, the spirit, or the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Now this, this was a huge claim. This was a massive thing for Jesus to apply to himself. In essence, he was saying, I mean, the Greek word for spirit is breath. So in essence, he was saying the very breath of God is on me. The life of God, of Yahweh, is on me. The indwelling power of God rests on me. Now, to the Jewish ear at that time, the spirit of God was something kind of to be almost feared, to be in awe of. It was an awesome thing. Not awesome like we use the word awesome, but like an awesome thing. And you look at the Old Testament. Look at the temple, for example, um, in the Old Testament. And you, you probably remember, we've looked at it before, but there was a kind of the inner sanctuary in the temple where the presence of God dwelt. And the high priest would go in once a year and they'd tie a rope around his ankle in case he dropped down in the presence of of God, so so much awe they had for the Spirit and for the presence of God, and here was Jesus saying that the presence of God, the Spirit of God, is on 
me. It was an incredible, incredible claim. It was a big deal. And the amazing and ridiculous truth that I want to look at this morning is that what Jesus said there, the Spirit of God is on me, is the same for us today. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He is on you. He is on us. It's three passages. There's loads of passages that talk about this in the New Testament. But just in case you're not convinced, let me give you three quick passages that say this. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Do you know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Romans 8 verse 11. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And then 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22, he set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So essentially the day you became a Christian, this guarantee, this deposit of the Holy Spirit was put on you. Now if you're a Christian here this morning, that's probably not news. You probably knew that, but the chances are is that you've lost sight or we've lost sight of what a massive deal that this is. The spirit of the living God is on us. The same spirit of God which hovered over the waters in the creation story. The spirit of the living God who created this world, who hung stars in space, who filled the oceans full of water, who spoke the universe into being, lives on us, lives in us. The God who is everywhere, who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, who created us, who knit us together in our mother's womb, who knows us intimately and in great detail. His spirit lives in us. The God who is seated in majesty, surrounded by angels singing holy, 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 seated in glory and power beyond what we can possibly comprehend. His spirit lives on us. His actual spirit, his actual breath, his actual presence, the essence of who God is, lives on us, lives in us. The same spirit that was in the kind of temple, in that inner room, in that inner sanctuary in the temple, lives on us. The same spirit that came on Jesus when he was baptized that empowered him to do all the miracles that we see in the New Testament. The same spirit, the Bible says, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, lives on us. That is an incredible, incredible truth. And you know, Jesus wasn't the first one to say that the Spirit of God was on him. There were some people in the Old Testament who the Holy Spirit came on for a limited time or a limited period or for a season or to complete a task. A few examples would be Joseph, Daniel, Samuel, Isaiah. But as I said, these guys, they carried the Spirit of God, but it was for a limited time. And and these were celebrated as heroes of the Old Testament. Yet for us, the Holy Spirit is on us 24-7. From the day we gave our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit rests on us. He is our empowerer. He is our helper. He is our comforter, our guide, our source. And my prayer today is that we just grasp this really simple, but really profound and really really even life-changing truth that the Spirit of God is on you. Let's proclaim that together. Say after me, the Spirit of God is on me. Spirit of God is on me. Say it again, the Spirit of God is on me. 
And that is truth. That is truth. And, you know, there's something deeply kind of wired into us, I think, as humans, that desires significance, isn't there? Which desires to be almost powerful, to walk in authority. I remember, I remember as a kid always uh, dreaming of being a bit of a, a superhero. Anyone else do that? Having kind of superpowers? And, uh, yeah, only Chris, I'm sure the rest of you did as well. Having those superpowers. And then I remember the first time I watched Star Wars. I mean, there's a new Star Wars film coming out, isn't there, soon, which we're really excited about. Um, and, um, and I remember after I first watched Star Wars, going around pretending that I was a Jedi. Again, I'm sure other people did this. Pretending I had those Jedi mind powers. And what I used to do, if I went shopping, I'd get up to one of the automatic doors, and as I approached it, I'd go like this. And pretend that I was opening the door with my mind, like they do in, in the Star Wars film. Anyone else? Yes, I don't know. Okay, a few. Truth be told, I still sometimes do that <laughs> when I'm going shopping. But um, because I just the idea of having that kind of power and that authority, and there's something in us that craves almost that. It's what kind of drives people sometimes in business and politics, isn't it? When people have made loads of money, but they still keep wanting to climb. Why? It's not about the money anymore. It's about the power. It's about the authority. It's about the having significance, having an impact. Yet as Christians, we carry the most powerful, most explosive, most significant thing this world has ever, ever seen and ever will see. We carry the Spirit of God. We walk in the greatest authority that there is, greater than any business or political authority. We walk in the authority of the King of Kings, and we carry His Spirit. Do we get this? Do we realize this? Do we walk in the significance of this? So often, we don't. For many of us, the fact that the Holy Spirit is on us has become like a theological detail, a theological principle. We get it, we understand it, yet the Holy Spirit's on me. But it isn't the life-changing, world-shattering, history-making kind of reality that it should be. One of my favorite films, or group of films, are the Lord of the Rings films and the Hobbit films. People seen the Lord of the Rings films? Hobbit films, yeah. If you haven't, why not? (laughs) Get on it. It's brilliant. All the books, you might have read the books. Um... And in Lord of the Rings, uh, for those of you familiar, there's a ring, and the ring of power, all right? One ring to rule them all, and whoever has this ring wields incredible power. So you can put the ring on and kind of disappear and stuff like that, which is cool. But also, whoever has the ring has this incredible kind of unstoppable power. And the kind of the bad guys, if you like, in the story uh, are always trying to get hold of this ring, because they know if they have the ring, they will be unstoppable. And at the beginning of the story, there's this little guy called Bilbo Baggins, this little hobbit, called Bilbo Baggins, and he finds the ring in a cave, uh, and he doesn't really tell anyone, and he doesn't really realize what he's found. He knows it makes him disappear and stuff, but he doesn't really get what he's got. So what he does is he puts it away in his little top pocket, and he carries it around with him, and he gets on, kind of has some adventures, and gets on uh, with his life for many years, gets on with his life with the ring kind of hidden, hidden away. And, um, and then... He's, yeah, so kind of nothing happens for ages. And he has no idea of the significance um, of what he's carrying. And the Holy Spirit, for many of us, is like that. It's something that we kind of keep hidden away in our top pocket. It's on us. It's with us. But we, we fail to grasp the reality uh, and the significance and the power of what we carry. Maybe there's been odd times in the past where We've seen the Holy Spirit work in and through our lives. But for the best part, it's hidden away. We fail to grasp it. And the Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's not like the ring which we can be lost or can be stolen. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he is with us and he won't leave us. But the Holy Spirit is also a gentleman. 
and as powerful as the Holy Spirit is, we dictate how much influence we give him in our lives. We can choose to kind of hide the Holy Spirit away like, like uh, Bilbo does with the ring. We can choose to limit the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. He's there, he's on us, but we can choose to keep him in the background, to quench, if you like, his power and his activity and his freedom in our lives. Or we can put him on daily and give the Holy Spirit freedom to work in us and through us and on us. I wonder how much freedom does the Holy Spirit have in your life? And I think, I think one of the problems with this is it doesn't always feel like the Holy Spirit is there. Do you know what I mean? So there's this incredible, significant, powerful Holy Spirit on us, but it doesn't always feel like he's there, like he's with us. And I think this is a big problem for many of us. It's definitely been something I've struggled with. I was at a, a conference a few weeks ago, um, and uh, it, was, uh, it was kind of like a charismatic conference, um, and so there was lots of kind of gifts of the Spirit and stuff happening. It was brilliant, and and there was a session on kind of God the Father and really experiencing the love of the Father. And the person who was leading uh, the meeting said, oh, I just want you to just, at the end, kind of as a response time, just, just kind of wait on the Holy Spirit and just let the love of God just come on you and pour over you and, 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 and just really connect with the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. Uh, and so people, it was a big conference, lots of people, people were connecting with the Holy Spirit. And there were some people who were just kind of weeping, just crying uncontrollably because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. There were others who were like laughing hysterically because of the power of the Holy Spirit working on them. Uh, there were others who were like shaking under the power of the Holy Spirit as well. There was a guy in the kind of corner who was dancing around like some kind of nutter because he was just so excited by what God was doing. It was brilliant. It was fantastic. It was really, really good. And there I was and, 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 and yeah, I was responding and, and I, felt, I felt nothing. Nothing at all. Not a tear, not a chuckle, not the shakes, certainly not a desire to dance. And you know, I wasn't the only one. When I looked around, there were other people, they had their eyes closed. They were, you know, connecting with God, but they weren't, they weren't getting the buzz, if you like. They weren't getting the feeling. They weren't getting that kind of sense of excitement. They weren't weeping or crying or laughing or any of those things. But you know, I came back from the conference And despite not really feeling, if you like, those feelings, those emotions, despite not having that kind of experience, I came back knowing that the Holy Spirit had done something really significant in my life. I came back with pages and pages of of notes of stuff that God had been speaking to me about, revelation, stuff that I'm still processing now. Like the Holy Spirit really moved in a powerful way in my life. What am I saying? I give this as an example Because the evidence of the Spirit of God on us and working in us is not just about how it feels. Let me say that again though. Evidence of the Spirit of God working on us and in us is not just about how it feels. And I think some of us get caught up in this kind of, I guess it can be a bit of a lie really. But it's all about the feelings. We chase that buzz. Maybe the Holy Spirit has met with us and we've had some incredible experiences where we've experienced the power of God on us and that's amazing and it's brilliant and we're in tears or we're laughing or we just get this incredible sense of God's presence and it's amazing. And very quickly we can start to just chase that feeling, chase that buzz. And if we're not careful, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives can become more about the experience and the feeling than it does about the actual fruit that it's producing. 
And we're all made differently. God made us differently in different ways. And some of us, some of us connect with the Holy Spirit more in that kind of emotional way, if you like. Some of you here will know that when you get on your own with the Holy Spirit, just the presence of God comes and you can just really feel it. You'll find yourself in tears or you find yourself laughing or shaking under the power of God. And that's amazing. That's brilliant. That is fantastic. But some of us, that doesn't happen as often. Maybe it's only happened a few times in our lives. And, you know, that's okay too. Because for, for me, for, there have been times as a Christian, I've been a Christian over 10 years, there's been times as a Christian where I've had those kind of experiences, where people have prayed for me, and I've kind of, come, kind of fallen under the power of the Holy Spirit, and I've kind of cried and just felt this incredible kind of waves of emotion as the Holy Spirit has met with me in a powerful way, and it's been brilliant when it's happened, but it doesn't happen very much. For the most part, I, I'm not the kind of person who gets a lot of big emotions and big feelings. I'm just not wired, <laughs> wired that way. Um, it's just not who I am. And for a long time, I worried about that. I grew up in quite a Pentecostal church uh, where a lot of this stuff was happening. Um, I, I say I grew up as a new Christian. I went there quite a lot. And, and for a long time, I felt like maybe the Holy Spirit's on them, but not on me. Because they are having all these experiences and all this stuff is happening. So the Holy Spirit must be more on them than he is on me. Because I'm not feeling, obviously, what they're feeling. I'm not having that same experience that they're having. There's something must be wrong with me. And maybe you sometimes feel like that. But, you, you know, as I've, as I've kind of, I guess I've grown in my faith, I've, I've, I've kind of learned and I've understood that actually it's okay. <laughs> that it's okay that well, I can be in a massive conference like that and there's others experiencing God in that way, but, but I'm meeting with God, but in a different way. And actually some of the most significant times that I've seen and I've experienced the Holy Spirit's work in my life haven't been the times when I felt the most emotion. Some of the most significant Holy Spirit times I've had, I haven't felt lots of very much at all. But they've been times when the Holy Spirit has come and he's spoken and he's brought truth and he's molded me and he's shaped me and he's challenged me and he's convicted me and he's changed me. And there hasn't been all those lovely flowery emotions necessarily, but the Holy Spirit has been producing fruit. He's been doing something. So the key question for us Regarding the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is on us. Hopefully you got that. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is on you. The key question isn't about how it feels. The key question is what fruit is it producing? It's not about how it feels. It's about the fruit. In other words, is stuff changing in me? Is stuff changing around me? Is stuff changing because the Holy Spirit is at work? And feelings are great. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not for a second discounting feelings. If you, the Holy Spirit and God loves to come and meet with us through our emotions, loves to come and speak to us, loves to come and, and be close to us and meet with us in powerful ways. And it's amazing when it happens. It's brilliant. But we shouldn't ever compare what we perceive that we are feeling with what we perceive others are feeling. We shouldn't compare our experience and feel like less of a Christian or feel like the Holy Spirit is less on us because we're not having the same experience as the person on the other side of the room is having. And that's really, really important for us to understand. The Holy Spirit is on you. The Spirit of God is on you, however you feel. When you feel on cloud nine and you're shaking and, and kind of crying in the aisle, the Holy Spirit is on you. But when you wake up on Monday morning and you feel like death warmed, warmed up, the Holy Spirit is still on you. When you feel excited about church and faith uh, and your life, the Spirit of God 
is on you. When you feel a bit disillusioned and down and deflated, the Spirit of God is still on you. When, you are, when you're feeling blessed and everything's going well and everything's going to plan, the Spirit of God is on you. When you're feeling broke and poor and like life is going from bad to worse, the Spirit of God is on you. The Holy Spirit is not occasional. The Holy Spirit doesn't just show up at certain times. We don't have certain meetings where we say, Holy Spirit, come, and then the Holy Spirit comes. We do say that, and that can be confusing. Um, We're asking for more of the Holy Spirit to come and move. We're asking the Holy Spirit to come and have more freedom. But the Holy Spirit's there already. He's on you. He's in you. The Holy Spirit isn't occasional. He doesn't just show up in ministry times. The Holy Spirit is not conditional. He doesn't only come on us when we're behaving. I haven't sinned for a few hours, so I think the Holy Spirit can probably come and, and fall on me. No. He doesn't just fall on us or work in us when we're being a good Christian. He's there all the time. And yes, as I already said, we, can dict- we kind of can dictate how much influence the Holy Spirit has in our lives. We can limit the Holy Spirit. We can limit the freedom. And sometimes we don't feel like the Holy Spirit's doing anything in our lives. And that's because we're not giving him that room. We're limiting him. We're quenching him. We're, we're yeah, not giving that opportunity. And that's kind of, kind of another preach for another day, really. But the main point I want to get across to us today is the Holy Spirit is on you. And as Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. That was his opening line to, to this proclamation that he was sending out. We've got to get that. If we want to reach our friends, if we want to reach this city, if we want to have the life of significance that God has called us to, number one, we've got to get this. But the Spirit of the Lord is on us, that we carry the Spirit of God. I just want to kind of, I've kind of basically thrown one point at you <laughs> so far um, and said it in lots of different ways. And I just want to finish the last 10 minutes by just giving you a little bit of application as to what that looks like uh, and why the Spirit of God is on us. What role does the Spirit of God have to play? And I, I apologize because I'm going to kind of skim over this a little bit. Um, but I think it's really important that we understand the Spirit of God is on us, but also for what purpose? What is the Spirit of God on us for? And so I'm going to look at three things. Um, the Spirit of God is on us as an identifier. The Spirit of God is on us as a connector. And the Spirit of God is on us as an empowerer. I'm not sure that's a word, but we're going to go with it. Okay. Um, so, identifier. The Spirit of God on us as an identifier. The Holy Spirit on us identifies us as children and sons of God. Romans 8 verse 15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So the spirit that we receive makes us no longer slaves but children of God. And it's by the Holy Spirit that we identify with God as our Father, Abba, Father. By the Spirit, it says, we cry, Abba, Father. God is our Father. God is your Father, and you carry his Spirit. I went to school with, um, with a girl whose dad was the manager of, I think it was Northampton Town, which at the time I think were like a second or first division team. Somebody's going to jump on me for that because uh, I don't know much about football. But I knew they were one of them. They were a football team. They weren't a big football team, but they were a, a fairly big football team. Uh, and, and in my school, that meant that this girl was a pretty big deal because her dad was the manager of a football team. Uh, and just the way she was, you could tell 
that her dad was the manager of a football team. She stood out um, in our school. Everyone knew who she was because her dad was the manager of Northampton Town. She had a, a confidence about her because she knew who her dad was. He was the manager of Northampton Town. She had kind of more money than a lot of us because her dad was the manager of Northampton Town. She was kind of seen as different. She was kind of seen as more significant, I think, like in our school, kind of, you know, how it works in school, social kind of setting, because her dad was the manager of Northampton Town. And, you know, our dad, our dad is the creator of the universe. Our dad is the king of kings and the lord of lords. That's our dad. And we carry his spirit. And because we carry his spirit, we should stand out. Because we carry his spirit, that should give us a confidence. Because we carry his spirit, we carry with that the resources of heaven. We walk in the significance of that. We carry the very presence of the Father. Which means that when we step into a room, things should change. People should notice that. I remember... Uh, many years ago, going shopping in Manchester to a, a place called Afflix Palace, which is kind of a weird shopping place if you've been to it. I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> but anyway, and I walked into this particular shop, and, and I was kind of browsing away, and, and, and the girl behind the, the till was, like, glaring at me. Like, and I just noticed it straight away. She seemed quite friendly when I first came in, but she was absolutely glaring at me. And I, I remember looking over, and, and as soon as I looked over, and this doesn't happen to me very often, but I just saw, like, a real darkness on her, spiritually, uh, and I'm not kind of one of those people that sees like stuff like that a lot, but I remember really clearly, it was just a real darkness on her. And whatever this girl was into, I don't know, but it was like she knew I was a Christian. And I wasn't wearing a WWJD band or anything like that. I wasn't wearing sandals. Nothing that would make me stand out as a Christian. But, but she knew. She picked up something of what I was carrying. And I could kind of tell that what she was into, you know, this poor girl was into some, obviously some dark stuff. And, you know, I wish that happened more often. My prayer in my life is that happens more often. That I step into a room and that people notice something different about me. That people spot there's something different about you. You're carrying something that is different. And I think, I don't really know, I think that's to do with the amount of freedom we give the Holy Spirit in our lives. And how much we allow him to to move in our lives. In In the New Testament, I think the disciples, it would say they'd be walking down a street and their shadow would just fall on people. And people would get healed. How amazing is that? And, you know, it's something we can pray for. God, when I walk into the room, when I walk into my office, when I walk into the pub or wherever it is you go, let something, people see something different about me. Amen. To encourage you, we had, um, some of you may remember, it's probably about a year ago now, we had um, some young people from the bus project that we uh, ran up on the estate come to church. Um, we had four, three or four or five of them come along uh, for a while. Uh, and you can pray for them um, because um, they haven't been for a while and we still pray for them and, and think of them. Um, but, but one of the things I remember when they first came is they would sit down and people would chat to them, people were really friendly to them, and um, the worship would start. And I'd look around and they'd all have tears in their eyes, uh, these kind of 15-year-olds, and they would just have tears in their eyes. I'd say, you guys all right? And they'd just say, there's something about this place. Just, just makes me want to cry. And they didn't get it. They didn't get it. And that's partly the truth why some of them don't come because they kind of scared them, freaked them out a little bit. But they knew there was something different. And that was the Spirit of God, I believe, in this place, in the worship, working. The Spirit of God identifies us as children of God. 
We are identified by the Spirit of God on us. Secondly, the Spirit of God is a connector. Jesus' baptism in Matthew 3, it describes how the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, yeah? You know the story. And um, God the Father and the Holy Spirit came down and the Father spoke from heaven, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And there's this kind of connection between God the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son. And the Holy Spirit today still connects us to the Father. Jesus ascended back into heaven, but he, he sent his promised Holy Spirit. It's by the Holy Spirit that we connect. Yes, it's through the blood of Jesus that we are saved and that we are forgiven and that we can pray and that we can have, call God our Father, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do that. And the Holy Spirit is there to connect us into God, to connect us into his guidance, for example. So Jesus um, shortly before the passage we read, it says in the Bible that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. He was a guide to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit on us is a guide. He leads us, he guides us. If you're looking for some guidance in your life, the Holy Spirit is there to guide us, to show us the way. The Holy Spirit also connects us into truth, to truth about what God says about us. Not the lies of the world, not the lies of the enemy. What God says about us. The Holy Spirit seeks to connect us into that. He brings conviction. There'll be times when the Holy Spirit will come and convict us maybe of sin in our lives. Or the Holy Spirit will come and convict us that actually the choices we're making aren't good. Or will guide us and lead us in that. Um, one time as a Christian, um, I, when I was a younger Christian, I, uh, I booked to go to a rock concert. Um, and I'd been to a few concerts at the time. It was no big deal. But I booked to go to this one concert and and uh, it got to the day before, I think I was in church, and, and just conviction of the Holy Spirit came on me. It's the first time it happened, and the Holy Spirit conviction came on me, and I just felt like God was saying, don't go to this rock concert. And I remember like, oh, you know, it's fine, like, I, I don't believe there's anything wrong with rock music, like I've been to lots of concerts, why are you saying no to this concert, God? I didn't understand, but I felt so strongly in a way I couldn't understand that God was saying, don't go. And I remember I was up in the evening at night and I was wrestling with it. I let all my friends down and I really want to go. I really like the band. God, like I couldn't get a piece about it. I couldn't sleep because I had this conviction that I shouldn't go and I didn't understand it. And in the end, I said, okay, God, (laughs) if you don't want me to go, show me. And I felt God say really clearly, go and look up the name of the band in the dictionary. And it was a word I wasn't, the name of the band was a word I wasn't familiar with. So I went and looked it up in the, I had this little dictionary in my room. And it was in the middle of the night and I went and looked it up. And it said the word of the band and next to it said evil spirit. And, and I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, I won't go. Now, I don't know what that band was into. I don't know, uh, like they didn't want, obviously a really kind of arcane kind of band. But there was obviously something about that concert that the Holy Spirit was saying, this isn't a place I want you to be. He was protecting me from something. I don't know to this day what it was. And I've been to concerts since and stuff. But on that particular occasion, the Holy Spirit came in and brought conviction and said, this is not the right place for you to be, for you to go. So the Holy Spirit will bring um, conviction. The Holy Spirit connects us uh, into his word. Connects us into his word. The Holy Spirit helps us to read the Bible. If you struggle to read your Bible, that's okay. It is quite difficult. It's a big book. There's a lot of words in it. There's lots of bits in it that we don't understand. The Holy Spirit helps reveal that truth. And I don't know if you've had this. I sometimes have this when I'm reading the Bible. I'll be reading a passage, and it might be a passage that I've read lots of times before, but suddenly that passage will jump out the page at me. Do you know what I mean? Like you suddenly read some words and you've maybe read them before but suddenly you just understand them on a whole different level. It suddenly just feels like they're speaking right into your heart, right into your spirit. 
That is the Holy Spirit working through God's word, speaking to us through the word of God. Trip over the speaker. Um, And next, connects us into love and comfort. The Holy Spirit connects us into love and comfort of God. There are times when we just need that sense of God's presence, isn't there? And as I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with seeking that. There's nothing wrong with desiring that. I know there's been times in my life where I felt maybe really down or really struggling. And I've just been like, God, I just need you. I need that sense of your presence. And God has come and been that comforter, has been that strength. The sense of God's presence and peace has come in a situation that I, I wouldn't otherwise have a peace about. Or the Holy Spirit has just come and just filled me with the love of God. And just in my heart, I just feel overwhelmed by the love of God. It's the Holy Spirit um, at work. So the Holy Spirit connects us. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit is an empowerer. It empowers us. The Holy Spirit is on us for a purpose, for many purposes. But the Holy Spirit is not just on us for our benefit. And the things I mentioned so far are kind of, if you like, for our benefit um, mainly. But the Holy Spirit is on us for the world around us as well. The Holy Spirit is on us to empower us. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. As we read in Isaiah 61, and in the chapter, verse in Luke 4, the Spirit of God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to mourning to those who comfort, to bind up the brokenhearted. The Holy Spirit is on us for a purpose. And he was on Jesus for that purpose. And actually, this was Jesus's as I said earlier, his kind of vision statement. And you read, if you carry on reading from Luke 4, you'll read story after story of Jesus doing just that, bringing good news to the poor, seeing people healed, binding up the brokenhearted, setting people free. He proclaimed it, and he went, and he did it. And we are called, we, do you like the baton, has been passed on to us. The Spirit of God is now on us. And in the same way, God has called us to bring good news to the poor, the good news of Jesus to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring freedom to those captivity, to point them towards the freedom that's found in Jesus, to comfort those who mourn. We are called to be history makers. We are called to be city shakers. We are called to change things. And it's the Holy Spirit on us that empowers us to do that. And so often we can look at our office, we can look at our family, our workplaces, our city, our spheres of influence and think, I don't feel like I can do anything here. And the truth is on our own, we can't. But that's why the Holy Spirit is on us. Amen. We can't, but the Holy Spirit can. He empowers us. There's loads more I could say on that. And, and I'm, I'm preaching again in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to pick up on that a little bit more in two weeks' time on that empowering work of the Holy Spirit. Um, but we're going to stop there. I'm going to ask Tom just to come up, and we're just going to have a bit of time of responding uh, to what I feel God's saying. And, um, yeah, I think, I was thinking, you know, I imagine one day when we get to heaven uh, and we're in heaven and, and, and we're hanging out with all the kind of heroes of the faith. I wonder if some of them will come up to us, particularly the Old Testament, and come up to us and say, oh, you're you a New Testament Christian. What was it like to have the Holy Spirit on you all the time? Because that is a privilege. That's something that, that, you know, you read all these characters and you know, they didn't have that. They went to the temple. But we, have the, we are the temple, the Bible says. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is on us. It's an incredible, incredible thing. And I hope, I hope I've communicated a little bit of that to you today. That the Spirit of God on us is a life-changing, a world-shaking, an earth-shattering, 
a history-making thing. I wonder if you just stand and we're going to pray. Holy Spirit. Yeah, we just welcome you, Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is on us. But as I said, we also, we also get to dictate how much freedom we give him in our lives. We get to dictate what influence he has. And we can crowd out the Holy Spirit with so many things. Disobedience. Busyness. Materialism. Even sin can get in the way of that connection. The Holy Spirit never leaves us. He's on us. He's with us. He's on you now. But the amount of freedom he has in your life, the amount of freedom that he has in your week, the amount of freedom he has in you each day, that's up to you. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't impose himself. He comes and fills the space that we give him and the space that we allow him. And so when we say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We're not asking the Holy Spirit to come down from heaven and touch us here. We're asking for the Holy Spirit, which is already on us, to expand his influence, to grow his influence in our lives, to grow his influence in this room. So this morning, I just want you, as Tom just plays, just just to talk to the Holy Spirit. That might seem like a weird concept for some of you, but the Holy Spirit is God. It's nothing idolatrous about that. He is God. He's part of the Trinity. And we can say, Holy Spirit, I want to give you more freedom in my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. Maybe there's ways and there's areas that you know, but you are limiting the Holy Spirit's work in your life. You're just not giving the Holy Spirit space. You're not having those devotion times, maybe. You're not praying. You're not... Maybe there's other stuff that's cluttering that up. Maybe there's bad theology or misunderstandings or stuff that actually that you believe that, like I was talking about the feelings stuff, which is actually getting in the way of the Holy Spirit having that freedom in your life. You feel like that's for somebody else. That's for a different denomination. That's for a different type of Christian. I'm not that kind of Christian. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is on you for a purpose. That might look differently, different for all of us, what the outward working of that is. The expression of that doesn't mean you're going to suddenly fall on the floor shaking necessarily. But the Holy Spirit is on you and he wants to work in you and he wants to work through you and he wants to work around you. So this morning I just want to, I'm going to stop talking in a second, but I want to just encourage you to to just say, Holy Spirit, what areas am I limiting you in my life? What areas am I quenching you? What areas am I stopping you having the freedom that you want in my life? And maybe there was a time as a young Christian where you really used to meet, feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in powerful ways. You used to really connect with the Holy Spirit and you feel like it's been a long time. I want to encourage you this morning, just to open your hearts and say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and have that freedom. Come and have that way. Come and fill me afresh. For some of you, maybe you need that experience this morning, that feeling this morning. I just want to encourage you. This is a safe place. Just put out your hands and just say, Holy Spirit, come. What do you want to do? What do you want to say? We're just going to do that for a few minutes, just on your own. Before God, thank you, Jesus.
For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.